Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, once again joined by my great friend and co-host, J.D. Hall. J.D., no curveball today, but let's just get right into it. How do you feel about Tyler Hero winning sixth man of the year? Something both of us predicted. I mean, hey, deserved it. Uh, he was a huge part to Miami's success this year. When Jimmy went out, Larry went out, he stepped in and he went from 21 to 25 a night. So, I mean, it was it was a no brainer. It was a one man race this year. I don't know, man. Kevin Love. Kevin Love was in all seriousness. There was no way anyone but Tyler Hero was going to win this award. I'm honestly surprised it wasn't unanimous. I think Cam Johnson had one vote and Kevin Love had three first place votes. But it. I mean, it should have been unanimous. Like Tyler Hero was far and away the best six man this year. That's hate. It, That's something Bryce would do. <laughs> exactly. And hey, Hero had 20, I think it was 25 in game one against the Sixers. So he's been he's been a lot more consistent this year than he was last year. Honestly, probably should have been up for most improved. Um, Could have been. If, if we're being real. But hey, good for Tyler Hero taking that step and good for you winning six man of the year. JD, um, no major injuries to talk about. So how we're going to approach this one, because it has been a while since we talked last. Um, the, all the first rounds are done, and we are currently game two of the Warriors Grizzly series is going to tip off in like five minutes or so. Probably already has tipped off. Um, so JD and I are going to kind of bury the first round teams that lost. And then we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to talk, we're going to preview slash discuss the second round series that are going on. And JD, let's start with a team that was eliminated first. The only team that got swept this year, the Brooklyn Nets. Well, I'm, all these are going to follow the same kind of format. Why did they lose and what are you looking forward to next year? So real quick, JD, why did the Nets lose this series? Um, They were never a team. Like, regardless if Kyrie played or didn't play, they never had a team this year, ever. That's that was beautiful and succinct. And yeah, they were a mess this entire season. The Celtics got literally whatever they wanted against them. And JD, we've had about a week to digest it. How did you feel about the Nets or how do you feel about the Celtics defense on the two superstars? Obviously, Kyrie goes off in game one. KD goes off in game four, but they lose both games. How, how did you just feel about either the Celtics defense on them or their general performances. Um, I was upset with Katie. I didn't feel he was nearly aggressive enough. Um, as far as Kyrie went, I think Kyrie probably fell into something that he didn't get a chance to do when everybody else did. He went through a slump. When Kyrie played this season, he was always great for the reason being he set out most of the season. So, I think he hit the midseason funk. I don't think they defense really stopped Kyrie from being Kyrie. He missed a lot of easy shots that he would make, but as far as the way they defended Durant, fantastic. I think everything they did to Durant 
was perfect. They they knew they couldn't stop him as far as like shutting him down as a one on one guy. So they they blitzed him the entire time. And when they did guard a one on one, they was ultra aggressive. He couldn't ever find the rhythm. It was a great job. I can't say nothing bad about that. Unless Bryce Shaddy wanted to say something good. You did point out in our text messages, too, that the Celtics got away with a lot of fouling. And they certainly they did. did. They did. But... I mean, if it's not being called, then, hey, keep doing it. It's not a foul, exactly. And I think I want to credit the Celtics for... I like the way they guarded KD, right? Like, not just... P.J. Tucker did a great job of guarding KD in last year's playoffs and got cooked, right? I think both of those things can be true. The way the Celtics threw body at KD was just different than I think the way anyone has guarded him really ever. Like they were contesting from the side, which I think is a great thing to do against KD. Like I don't think a straightaway contest. I think KD's making it over that every single time. Right. You know who they learned that from? Who they learned it from? Two-time defensive player of the year. (laughs) He didn't play this season. But every every block that he has on KD has been... Side contest. Exactly. And also, JD, I, I will say something that concerned me about KD is this is the loosest his, ta- his handle has ever been, right? Like, usually you got to tighten up that handle as you get older. And absolutely. That handle wasn't like against Milwaukee, he had the ball in a string. Against the Celtics, for whatever reason, it might have been the fouls, but you have to be tighter with the ball. He had 21 turnovers in four games. <laughs> that's five turnovers a game. That's not going to cut it against this Boston team that kills in transition. Absolutely destroys in transition. So it's, it's not great. Um, Were there any role player possibilities that you took away from the nets or were you just kind of down on their supporting cast after the last series? Um, One thing I, I do feel personally is that Joe Harris, he's a waste of space. Only because they relied so heavy on what he could do, and he hasn't played the last two playoffs for them. Therefore, waste of space. Trade him. JD, he did play last playoffs. He just was so bad you forgot he was on the floor. No, listen, I, I don't consider him a player for those performances. He was absolutely trash. He, he hasn't he hasn't played the last two playoffs, A B. I'm not calling him a player for being on the floor. I'm sorry. Let's see. Against um against Milwaukee in the last playoffs, he shot thirty-two percent from three, thirty-five percent from the field. And I believe after game three, he was about five for one hundred from the three point line. So your point's well taken. Your point is very well taken. Um, going into next year, Nets supposedly getting Simmons back, although we don't, we he, we can't say at this point until he's actually on the floor. Oh man, um, don't let me get started on on him. They have Philly's first round pick, which I'm gonna pull up Tankathon real quick. So they'll have two first round picks this year. Let's see, where's um, Brooklyn picking? Brooklyn is picking at. So they have the 23rd pick. They only have the 23rd pick because their first round picks going to Houston. So they have a first round pick. Um, if you're the Nets, would you try to flip Ben Simmons before the start of next season? Or 
how are you going into next season? He has no trade value. The best thing you could do is hire a therapist and some serious um, chiropractors and do whatever you can to make him feel okay to play. Like, I, I think the goal should be preseason. Try to get him a game in the preseason. See how he deals with that. If he frightens up and panic out, I bet. Shut him down. We release this guy. He don't belong in our league. Because at this point, I mean, what else can you do? And outside of that, I mean, they, they role players weren't as good as last year role players, which was why it was an easy series. They, Boston literally said, we going to make y'all have to trust y'all other guys, which they really couldn't. They tried to act as if they did, but they couldn't. Brett, Bruce Brown was the best player on a team for the series. Bruce Brown, who is a huge part to their success last season. But let's be honest. Nobody going to win if Bruce Brown is your top guy. Right. So what I think they need to do is, for one, freaking get some shooters. Surround those guys with some shooters. A bunch of 3 and D guys. You go after a bunch of 3 and D guys, and you see how that work turn out for y'all. Like Guys like Josh Richardson, even though I think he's great for the Spurs right now. Um, hell, Danny Green. We don't need Danny Green to freaking be Spurs Danny Green or uh, Toronto Danny Green. We just need him to – or, hell, L.A. Danny Green fits good over there. He going to take probably three lesser shots than he did in L.A. You know, um, Patty Mills, bring him back. I don't think the Goran Dragic pickup was that good. Um, who else? Seth Curry, amazing. I also say bring back Drummond. Y'all can't rebound. Bring him back. Besides, this about to be another thing. If you don't bring back Drummond, get somebody, get a bit that can rebound and can sh- bring, go grab Bobby Portis. Do what you can to get a guy like Bobby Portis because Nicholas Claxton is dead meat down there. Yeah, that was not the best Nicholas Claxton series. Like, that was pretty brutal on a lot of fronts. <laughs> Um, Drummond for me, I think it'll be hard for them to bring him back because he's probably gonna want at minimum ten million a year. And they like he got his value back up. He definitely yeah, brought his value like, back up. That's for sure, because going into the season, it was definitely at an all-time low. That's why he signed a minimum with the Sixers. And he was probably gonna be way too expensive even for the Sixers to keep, right? Let's let's just be real about that. Um yeah. I think that. Drummond is going to sign somewhere and hopefully he stays as a backup, but like a more highly paid backup. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I'd like to see him somewhere like Chicago, right. That needs size in the front court. I would love it. 
he would be really good if he was willing to come off the bench. I don't know. Like this year, he's like trying to rehab his value, trying to buy into a system. I hope he's willing to come off the bench next year because he would be he's the best backup big in the league by far. It's not close. Um, (laughs) Speaking of the Bulls, J.D., let's bury the Nets. Au revoir. I'm so sick of that fucking team. I'm so glad they're gone. (laughs) Let's talk about a team I'm not happy that's gone, but kind of saw this coming. Chicago Bulls. J.D., that is such a disappointing way for the year to end for them. What was your, like, biggest takeaway from this series? Um, The same thing I was saying for the most part. We can't win without Lonzo. I don't care if Zach missed um, that that last game. We we couldn't win without Lonzo with Zach. Um, what he brought to that team was just something that you can't find. Like Lonzo has generational talent. His IQ, his he don't do nothing that just stands out as far as athletically. Everything is skill-based, IQ-based. If LeBron was six feet tall, he would be Chris Paul. Without, like, if he just was six feet, no athleticism, he would be Chris Paul. Because that IQ and the way he could just manipulate the game, that is a Lonzo Ball trait. Like Rajon Rondo, like these are guys that without any, you take away the best thing they can do. And as far as like athletically, and they still better than you just because they so freaking smart. Like Jason Kidd was so great because for the most part, he was smarter than everybody else. Steve Nash was smarter than everybody else. He has that type of brain. I'm not saying skill level wise, but I think he can get there. He's a phenomenal defender, but obviously above average rebound. He's freaking what six 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 five. Um, great shooter. You have to say great shooter at this point. I think I think Lonzo was key to the Bulls' success, and without him. They did exactly what I expected. Like, DeMar usually gets shit after every playoff run he's in, right? And a lot of the times he's deserved it. I don't think he did this year. I think the Bucks clearly feared him. And they were throwing two to three guys at him, especially after LaVie. Triple team. And DeMar is always going to make the right play, right? It's, you know. We have shooters. It's a blessing and a curse sometimes. And DeMar is a really good passer, so he's going to pass. And, yeah, the Bulls didn't have shooters, especially after Zach and <laughs> after Zach Levine went down and after Lonzo has been missing all season. So, or not all season, Bro, but half the season. Imagine if we had, like, say we had Seth Curry and Patty Mills mm-hmm. in those spots. Yeah. Right. Like, say Steph Curry and Patty Mills was getting those shots. We could argue Brooklyn win the series. Just looking at game five of the Bucks series, 
like DeMar shot 10 shots. The rest of the and no threes. The rest of the team took 52 threes and made 15 of them. 15. And they were all That's, wide open. They were all wide open because of the Bucks' defensive game plan, for better or worse, is we're going to let you beat us on three, right? I think we'll talk in a little bit about how that burned them today. But, I mean, this Bulls team was never a guarantee to kill them from three. Vooch shot three for nine. Pat Williams was four for seven. And the rest of the team just and, doing quick math was eight for <laughs> was eight for 46 or that's wrong. Eight for 36, which is worse. <laughs> and, you know, that's another thing. Patrick Williams not being healthy was another killer. And also he needs to fucking be more confident. Shoot the ball. You Patrick Williams needs to be an aggressive score because the guy has that kind of talent. He has that kind of talent. And I just think he needs to wake up and realize that. This will be my only variation of this question. But my question for you about the Bulls is, do you think that they'll be able to stay consistently healthy enough to make an impact on the Eastern Conference playoffs in the years to come? I do. I do. But. Obviously, there's a but. Are we going to be able to stay together that long? I would hope for it. But it's Chicago. That's my only thing. It's Chicago. I can't I can't trust none of that when it comes to Chicago. I don't I can't say I blame you. It's the reason I'm not a Bulls fan anymore is because they traded my favorite player, my favorite player who's playing for the Heat now. And it's the reason why I quit that team because they make dumb decisions. Hopefully Karnishavis and uh who's the other guy? Eversley, that's right. Eversley. Hopefully those two make the right decisions and they're not the new guard packs, but you know, it's only time will tell, right? You can't judge a GM administration off their first couple of years. So let's move on to a team that we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about. The Atlanta Hawks. JD, this is this is a pretty easy question. Why did they lose to the Heat? <laughs> um clearly overmatched. Very clearly. I mean we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about the Hawks. Trey Young shot 18% <laughs> from three and 31% from the, 32% from the field. Sorry, my rounding math wasn't great there. Um, six assists a game as opposed to 31 turnovers. So that means Trey had more turnovers than assists. Um, yeah. <laughs> JD, when it comes to the Hawks roster, this is my Hawk specific question. What moves are you trying to make this off season to help them get in a better spot? They're not, I, I would bet they don't make the conference finals again, but can they get back to where they were in the regular season last year where they finish as the five seed? Um, no, I really don't think they can. Why do you think that the East just got so much better? Like, even with James Harden being this version of James Harden, they still don't come close to beating Philly to me. Like, you can still easily say that the top five don't change next year unless 
one of the top guys, Lee. We got Boston. That core is going to remain the same, finally. Um, Miami. They probably just go get better. Milwaukee. They not changing their core. Philly. Not much is looking to change. Um, even if they was to lose James Harden, that's going to bring them money to go after another superstar. Um, Cleveland and Charlotte could be better next year, too. Yeah, I didn't even mention the younger teams. Like, I just, I, I don't see them um, cracking those spots, man. Like, Chicago, we will only get better. Right. Uh-uh. Detroit has a real shot of being better next year. Yeah, I don't think they could be better than Atlanta, but it's they, a chance. It's a chance, actually. Cade's that kind of special, though. And yeah, yeah. We, are we sure that Atlanta gonna be able to keep all their pieces? That's a good question, JD. It's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I think Atlanta will probably be in the play-in race again next year, and it'll suck because I was really high on this team, but they made a bunch of wrong moves at the wrong time. Um, clearly, they should have traded Reddish in the offseason. Yeah. While his stock was high. Clearly, they should probably cash in on DeAndre Hunter very soon. Um, it just isn't... DeAndre Hunter was great in this series, by the way, and he had, is it 35 in Game 5? Yeah, he showed up. He showed up. He showed up big time. The game where they actually won, Trey showed up big time. Trey just needs to not... Trey needs to be better. He needs to involve his teammates more, and I wouldn't be surprised if McMillan's gone after next season because he they stalled out in the way that a McMillan team usually does. So let's go ahead and move on to the last Eastern Conference team, JD. The Toronto Raptors, they lose a heartbreaking game six where everyone in the world thought the Sixers would blow a 3-0 lead, but the Sixers actually were clutch for once. JD, why did the Raptors lose this series? Um, They didn't have a guy that was nearly as good as Embiid. And Fred Van Vliet was hurt. So there are two very good explanations. And I forgot about the most obvious injury coming into this. Joel Embiid up in a game where they're up 29 with four minutes left in the fourth. And Pascal Siakam has his elbows out, elbows Joel in the face. And Joel breaks his orbital bone in his eye and has a concussion. JD, I know you usually handle the Doc Rivers rants. You mind if I handle this one? Please do. You know, like, okay, JD, first of all, I want to acknowledge Pascal Siakam probably should be suspended for a game at the beginning of next year, right? I, I think that's completely reasonable. He shouldn't have led with his elbows, right? Joel, listen, there was a lot of dirty plays on both sides of the series. I'm not gonna act like there was, right? I'll start at that point. But you're up 29 with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Okay. JD, how many times do teams go on 30 to nothing runs with four minutes left? Like how? Uh, how? (laughs) Once in a lifetime. Exactly. Do you know, like just mathematically, right? Let's just say most of the time, right? Like if you're up 10, it's a bad idea to dribble out the shot clock. Right. But if you're up 29, Okay, it's four minutes left. 
you get they get they get the defensive rebound, right? Let, let's just say the Raptors miss. They dribble out the ball for the next 24 seconds. That's 336, right? <laughs> the Raptors come down and shoot with t- after 10 seconds on the shot clock. That's 326. 76ers get another shot clock violation. That's 302. You just killed a whole minute and the Raptors only made up two points, right? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why are they in there? It's literally like basketball is sometimes it's pretty hard, but sometimes it's pretty easy. And sometimes you should just know, hey, there's no, especially the Raptors. It's not like the Raptors are the prime warriors where they have, you know, Clay Thompson or Steph Curry going to make 10 threes. The Raptors <laughs> don't have any sharpshooters. Gary Trent, bless his heart, shot 33% from three in the series. And that's a lot higher than I thought he did. Boucher yeah. was one of their sharpshooters. Fred Van Vliet took the second most or the third most three point attempts in the team. And he played four games. <laughs> what are we doing here? It's not that hard. So yeah, Pascal obviously deserves a lot of blame for injuring Joel Embiid, right? I'm not going to act like he doesn't, but I don't blame him. It's that's probably Doc's Doc's made a lot of mistakes this season, right? That's probably the biggest one. Why the hell is he in the game with four minutes left? That's worse. It, JD, in my eyes, that's worse than the Derrick Rose in game one of the 2012. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Bulls wasn't up as much. <laughs> they weren't up that much. Exactly. The difference between what the Bulls were up 10, right? It's still yeah, a, a run still could have been made. It was exactly. like, what, three minutes left? I think it was only like a minute 30, but still, 90 seconds is enough time to get something done. Oh, right. Man, you could hit two threes within that exactly. time, within 30 seconds. Exactly. Like he probably shouldn't have been D Rose probably shouldn't have been in the game, but you can make a logical argument as to why he was. Yeah. Probably wanted a 15 point lead. Yeah. There's no reason why you keep your star player in with four minutes left up 29. That's literally a mathematical impossibility. And it's just, it's so dumb. It's one of the dumbest things. And doc, there's no way he's not getting fired after this season. He deserves it because that's just, that's rough. Do you have any other thoughts on the Joel injury before we sum up the Raptors real quick? Real quick. Doc just being Doc. It's terrible, man. It's so fucking dumb. So fucking dumb. Best opportunity they had to do anything. And Doc Rivers literally had to be himself. That's oh God, man. You hate this. I really I'm sad for Joel because he deserves the chance to show out in the second round. But yeah, and now they finna get swept because of the terrible coaching job. If I, I'm not even like they're talking about bringing him back in games three and four against Miami, I wouldn't do that. I'll be honest. I, they still get swept. Yeah. I, it's just, it's tough, JD, and it makes me so mad. But how do you feel the Raptors, just to end this segment, how do you feel the Raptors are, do you think they'll take this momentum into next season and be better? Be Do you think they'll be worse? How do you think the Raptors offseason is going to go? I think they'll be better if they could bring back that same group of guys. I think for most of the year, they was trying to figure out what worked for them. Um. I think I think they'll be pretty good, but they they need to make more moves to to become like obviously more shooters. But also, they probably need to think about letting some of those um, veteran guys go. I love what that is young did for them, but I don't think um, they can 
sustain that. I don't think I don't think they sh- I don't even think they should try to just because they got they got Scotty Barnes who doing most of the same thing that um he that that is doing and unless y'all don't plan on playing that as much as they did in the playoffs where they literally had to I don't think it works. Let them be uh, um in a veteran role over there. Yeah. But I don't think he should be a core piece to what they got going on. He shouldn't be that important to them just for the simple fact they got a young guy that's doing the same thing. That makes sense. That makes sense. And now onto the Western Conference, onto, I think, both of our least favorite teams in these playoffs. I wanted to get them out of the way first. The Utah Jazz lose in six games to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, JD, I, I can't wait for this. Why did the Jazz lose to the Mavericks? Donovan Mitchell is not as good as he thinks. Donovan Mitchell blew the series. He's a gunning ball hog who has not gotten better. He has not got better. And I repeat, he has not gotten better. He surprised everybody a couple years ago. But he hasn't made any steps to get better. If he goes left, he's going to pull up. You think teams don't realize that by now? You really think nobody understands that by now? Come on now. You got a seven-footer, although he's a terrible offensive guy for himself. But, geez, throw the man a lob. They switched Jalen Bronson on him. He got maybe two feet on Jalen Bronson, and they didn't throw him the ball. Like, come on. Yes, he's not that good, but he ain't that bad. You can't tell me the man can't dunk the ball on alley you when that's the only way y'all won game three. You can't convince me of that. That's uh, you're so right, JD. And, and then they lost with Luca being out most of the games. Like, come on, <laughs> Jalen Bronson was the best player on the floor when Donovan Mitchell was out there. He's he's not as good as they think. Blow it all up, but oh yeah. And let me say this: Mike Conley sucks too. Michael Conley left all his talent at the freaking All Star game last year. He's trash. Oh man. Look, they the Utah Jazz has a team full of overhyped players. I said it. Overhyped players from Rudy Gobert to Donovan Mitchell to Mike Conley, who I used to love. Oh, Mike Conley, you suck now. Like, come on now. You became you finally become an all-star, and you follow up your all-star season with this. Yeah. With with this, Mike? Like, come on now. Now I'm questioning why the hell did we want you ever in All-Star game? Because you ain't proved you to be worth nothing since. Yeah, now and Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson were legitimately their two best scorers oh, and, in this and let me, You know what? Let me say this. I feel bad for them, too. I feel bad for Jordan Clarkson and Bogdanovich for the simple fact Jordan Clarkson had to keep coming off the bench 
we know Jordan Clarkson don't pass the ball, but how the hell he passed the ball more than um, Donovan Mitchell? He don't even get the ball more than Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell averaged two pass, two passes a game to his fellow All Star. What the hell do you do when y'all on the court together? It's my favorite stat I think I've ever heard is that Trey Young has more assists to Clint Capella than Donovan Mitchell had passes to Rudy Gobert. Like that's really hard to do. And you know what's going to happen, JD? They're going to trade Gobert. And Clint Capella right? was hurt this year. Mm. <laughs> he was. <laughs> you know what they're going to do? They're going to they're going to keep Mitchell. They're going to build around Mitchell. They're going to trade Gobert probably to some like Eastern cop. Like let's just say the Hornets, right? Like he's going somewhere else. There's no way Gobert's back in Utah next year. And they're going to trade Bogdanovich. Everything. They'll trade Conley. And they're going to win like 35 games because all of a sudden you like JD. I've come a little bit more to your side that Gobert is very like there's a certain flaw he has on defense, in my opinion. But he still in the regular season is a defense unto himself, right? Yeah. In the regular season, he's a superstar in the regular season. Yeah, he's a guarantee you win 45 games, and those guys are really hard to find, right? Obviously, in the playoffs, Jalen Brunson, I think, exposed him a little bit, and then. They didn't let him have a chance to expose Jalen Brunson on the other end. Oh, another person who is supposed to. And I love this. I love the way this guy. Kleba. Maxi Kleba. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, Rudy has flaws, right? And I I won't deny it. But I I think the Jazz's perimeter defense, like Donovan Mitchell came into the league as a defensive ace, right? Like that was his whole thing. He was going to be a stopper. He he couldn't guard me or you at this point. Like he'd let us go by him and be like, oh, Rudy will be at the rim. (laughs) He dies on screens. And it's like Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie are both significantly worse than you are. That's just a fact. And they torched your ass, torched you. When you have like Donovan Mitchell has all like the athletic skills and, you know, he has a great wingspan. Like, there's absolutely no reason he should be getting torched by those guys, but he did. And they're going to build around Mitchell next year, and they're going to be in the lottery because <laughs> Mitchell's not good enough to lead a team to the playoffs by himself. It's just not going to happen. No, and you know what? You know what I just thought about? Donovan Mitchell used to be like, like the most fierce competitor in, in certain moments, right? But he's reminding me of what people saying about Ben Simmons. Mm. What people saying about what people used to say about Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. I think it's all about his numbers and that cheddar. I don't think he really did a win. I don't believe it. I, I could definitely see it. I mean, listen, good stats. The most, the most he's giving you to say is, it wasn't his fault. You know what? I'm Numbers gonna, wise, I'm not even going to ask you what they do next year because I think we talked about that, and that's a perfect way to end the Utah segment. So let's go with a team we don't have to spend a lot of time on, the Denver Nuggets. Why did they lose to the Warriors? In five games. Get healthy. See you next year.
I mean, Jokic was crazy in game five. Can we just talk about that for a second? He balled the fuck out in game five. And Boogie balled out too. It's bet nothing less. It's bet nothing less. I mean, Jokic at this point is just like, I feel like you can knock him all you want, but he's always, he shows up in every fucking playoff series. And, you know, you can't say the same about a lot of his peer. I think he has one peer at the center position. And he shows up in playoff games. And that's about it. Like, there's no one else. I think you got three. I say three. I'm going to go Bam and B. Jokic. Okay. But Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Jokic averaged 31, 13, and 6. And if his teammates were healthy, he probably would have average 31, 13, and eight. Like, (laughs) he was just crazy. And he was drawing fouls, you know, more than he usually does, almost getting to the foul line seven times a game. Like, literally perfect from him. They just, they were outmatched by the Warriors. And so here's here's my long-term question for you about the Nuggets, JD. Do you just, like put all your eggs in the next year's basket. Like Porter jr. Is going to get healthy. Murray's going to get healthy. Or do you trade one of those guys? Like, I think you could talk yourself into getting something for one of those guys. Like, I think maybe not Murray. I think you could talk yourself into getting something for Porter jr. How, what do you think the nuggets should do next off season? Nothing. Nothing. Just stay pat. Get healthy. Have we really seen them fully healthy compete? We saw them in 2020. That's about it. In the bubble, uh, yeah. Like they got they they made that move for a reason. Let's see how it all comes together. We they, can't. I don't think you can make the perfect assessment when we haven't seen them together. At the very okay, this the only move I say: beef up the bench because the bench sucks. Outside of Boogie, I didn't care for nobody on that bench. Um, Austin Rivers had moments, but that's just Austin Rivers. He'll have moments. You don't sell high on Austin Rivers. Well, when you get Murray back, though, you'll move Murray to the bench or you'll move uh, Monte Morris to the bench. And then when you get Porter back, you'll move Jeff Green to the bench. Right. So that. Yeah. That's true, but even still, I don't. I'm not sold on that bench being that good. Well, here's what I think they should do, and this is the one point where I'll criticize Denver's front office. Right? Is their guard defense was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. That's that's always it's always. But they need to go. They need to talk Gary Harris into re-signing for the minimum there, because his defense will help. And I think they should go after Eric Bledsoe. I think those two guys could really help Denver. I think they could both play really well. I think Bledsoe in particular would play really well off of Jokic. In a yeah, he's a great cutter. Great right. cutter. And he could play the one or the two. I mean, he can't shoot, but he's a really good finisher and a really good defender. So something like that. They they just need guys who will actually defend in the backcourt. Um, yeah. JD, you want to go to Minnesota or New Orleans for the next one? Let's go to... New Orleans, cause I I got 
let shit to say bad about them. That's fair. So the New Orleans Pelicans losing six games to the Phoenix Suns. Why did they lose, JD? Zion Williams. I blame I blame Zion Williams. And everything is blamed on him. Get your ass healthy and get your big ass back on the court. Me and you should not look like we go out to eat together. Get healthy and y'all win that series easily. Easily. Devin Booker go down. Y'all not miss. They shouldn't have lost a game if Zion was there. But Zion, he just don't want to be in New Orleans. I don't care what nobody say. He don't want to be there. So what you do? The James Harden method. Sit your ass down. Get fat. Until you get your way. But there's no reason why they should have lost that series when Book went down. They had the next best two players in my team. I wouldn't say CJ's better than Chris Paul at this point, but it's enough of a wash where I'd probably give the edge to New Orleans in that regard. I think the reason I'm saying better is only because I feel CJ... Like, I think Chris Paul got a crutch in the way of he's going to be a facilitator to a fault. CJ has stopped doing it. That's the only reason I give him that, because Chris Paul absolutely killed uh, 14-14, you know, but I think a big part of that was he had Devin Booker back and was able to realize Book ain't going to be able to give me what I'm going to need. So let me kind of manipulate these plays where they, where we usually get Booker shot. I'm going to take it. Yeah. And I think if you're New Orleans, though, you got to take a, like CJ wasn't great. Like CJ. No, he wasn't. This yeah, was got- the worst series he's ever had. He did get the full Bridges treatment, though, to be fair. And. Bridges ate him up on the defensive end, but Bridges eats a lot of people up on the defensive end. So it's not really an uncommon experience for CJ McCollum. And CJ, I, I think a big part of it, CJ was tired. I mean, yeah, he did a lot of heavy lifting after he got to New Orleans. So I totally see where you're coming from there. I think what if Zion does come back and plays in New Orleans next year, he'll be really good as the third option, right? And it'll be a different kind of third option where. Zion doesn't need the ball for very long to do something with it. He don't. So, and I thought Ingram, man, if I'm New Orleans, I'm feeling really good, even if Zion didn't want to come back. Because Ingram, Ingram to me is a top 20 player, JD. He's pretty close to a top 15. The way he was passing in that series, and phenomenal. Phoenix is about as well equipped to guard Brandon Ingram as any team in the league. He still shot 47% from the field, <laughs> he made 40% of his threes. Had six, average six assists a game. He turned the ball over, what, my math, like less than four times a game. So, yeah, Brandon Ingram's not like a natural, like naturally gifted passer. So, averaging six assists a game compared to four turnovers, that's fine, right? I'll take that ratio from Brandon Ingram. So, I feel like they got a lot of growth from Ingram in this series. And I think that they're going (laughs) to, they're going to be really happy going into next year. 
with Brandon Ingram as their best player. And they were so good with him as their, like when he was playing, like the difference with Brandon Ingram on and off the court <laughs> for this new Orleans team was wild. They were like, when Brandon Ingram didn't play, they were like the Rockets. But when he did play, they were like, I don't know, the Raptors. I mean, JD, this, the way the Pelicans looked in the first round, I would argue that they would have probably beaten <laughs> most of the other teams in the West just because they looked like a much more well-oiled machine. Yeah, they they look very good. I and, think. Go ahead. Sorry. I think personally, uh, they showed how many weapons they truly have without Zion, and that's more the reason why I blame him for the reason that they lost. I mean, Valanciunas was a monster. Um, Alvarado made might have made his mark in the NBA now. Um, Trey Murphy, Herbert Jones. Um, we don't need to say much about CJ anymore, but like they played a bunch of younger guys with no experience and they were in every, almost every game. Imagine if they had their quote unquote superstar. And I think B.I.'s at a point, though, where he's not a quote unquote superstar. I think he might be a superstar. And I think and that's why I said if they had their quote unquote mm-hmm. superstar, I think they did have theirs. Yeah, for he, sure. He he obviously has done more there than Zion. I would agree with that. I mean, and like you said, the young guys, I think Willie Green, right? I think Willie Green is a phenomenal coach. He outcoached Ty Lu, who I think is the one of the two best coaches in the game. <laughs> Right. He outcoached Ty Lue in the play in game. Larry Nance doesn't have like Larry Nance has been in the league a while. And I think the only time he made the playoffs is on the Cavs. Yeah. In 2018. And LeBron wasn't very fond of him that year. <laughs> and so he didn't have a whole lot of playoff experience either. But Larry Nance was great. I mean, Jackson Hayes was as good as we've ever seen Jackson Hayes be. I'm trying to find a way to say that diplomatically is hard. Um, <laughs> Trey Murphy, like, bust out of a season long shooting slump. You know, Herb Jones should, like, I, I had him on my old defense team and you didn't blink. And that was before these playoffs. So it's just incredible what they got from this team. Going into next year, what, just the Pelicans tailored question, what would your expectations for them be if they just ran this group back and added Zion? Um, second round. I think that's fair. I think that's fair, and I think they could do it. I think they could compete with any of the other teams for the most part. Like, if they got that, I think they have a three-headed monster that you kind of can guard while having solid enough role players that no matter what, they're going to do their job. Like, we know just based off of this season alone, Herbert Jones will be in his role. He's going to do great doing that. We know Valanciunas is a walking double-double. We don't have to worry about that. Plus those three stars, I think they can they can easily upset anybody. All it takes is one night for each and every one of them. I think that's fair. 
let's go ahead and move on to the team you said you wanted to give the business to. Let's go ahead and move on to the Wolves, our last first round burial, I guess we'll call it. Um, JD, what do you have for the Wolves? I wouldn't say the Wolves. It's one person. Just one person. Who's that one person, JD? The guy I put on my 13 All-NBA. I can't believe you had Jordan McLaughlin on your 13 All-NBA. <laughs> Man, look. Carl Anthony Towns, you did it again. You did it again. You was outplayed by people who will never make All-Star games. At first glance, I'll say that. Clint Capella still won't make an all-star game, and he dogged you. Brandon Clark came in and gave you the business. You was talking all that trash, and I was excited for you. I say, talk your talk, okay? Show them you ain't who they think you are, but you are. You didn't back it up, man. You didn't back it up. I'm not saying that you're actually a cat. What I'm saying is you're not that tough guy. None of them look at you as a tough guy. They feel you're soft. Memphis played more physical with you after you tossed up. And you you folded. You folded. Like, come on, man. You you was the difference maker in that series. You supposed to be in at least. Everybody else kept y'all team in the game. You supposed to win it. And y'all was able to slow down Ja. You had to step up and be that man who that who everybody in Minnesota thought that you was. And you failed. That's I listen, I can't dispute anything you're saying. They made Brandon Clark look like prime Dennis Rodman out there. Like <laughs> JD Jonas Allen shooting has killed it on the offensive glass, which we didn't talk about, but he had 33 offensive rebounds in the first round, right? You know, that's my guy. Brandon Clark had more than anyone else has had, aside from JV, including guys like, like Jaron has had seven offensive rebounds, had seven offensive rebounds in the last game against Golden State, which is crazy. Um, the Wolves aren't that small of a team. And the Grizzlies went small a lot. There's no reason they should have been killing them. There's no reason it should be a 75 offensive rebounds across six games. That's 12 extra shots a game. That's honestly insane. And 42 extra point extra chances for the Wolves, right? That's not a small number. But 12 is greater than seven, right? That's obvious math. And it's just when the team crushes you on the offensive glass, you got to hit the glass harder, right? You got cat should have had cat had 65 rebounds. The way the Grizzlies were laying bricks, he should have had probably close to a hundred rebounds, right? Vanderbilt really made his name as a good rebounder this year. And granted he was only playing 21 minutes a game. He should have more than 31 defensive boards, 
I should be closer to 50. The way your reputation as a rebounder was going this year, Jared, it's just, it's tough. <laughs> and I think the Wolves need to add a true tried and true power forward. They need to get a guy. Like, honestly, I was saying before Brandon Clark actually started playing for them in the playoffs, Brandon Clark would have been perfect for the Wolves, right? Oh, man, very solid. They would, they needed a guy like that. And I, they're not going to get Brandon Clark now for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but they just need someone who can be stout and steady because Cat, Cat can be the foreign offense, right? Cat, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, is a four at this point. So you get a guy like these guys are out of the league now. Him and, him and Anthony Davis want to be the same person. I mean, you're not wrong. Although Cat... Cat thinks he's Jokic sometimes. That's yeah. another of Cat's problems. He thinks like he, he can turns do a, it over a lot. Yeah, and, and he commits way too many offensive fouls too. Commits too many fouls. Just yeah, just in general. But like he rams into guys. He fouled out of the playing game, and all the all six fouls were probably deserved. So hey. let's talk about Anthony Edwards for a second, though, JD. I, we both love him. I I think it's safe to say we both love him. Absolutely. Uh, 25 points a game. Best 40, personality in the league. Absolutely. <laughs> 25 points a game, 45% from the field, 40% from three. What did you see from Ant in this series, and what do you think he needs to improve going forward? I see him show that he can score on anybody. <laughs> I seen he was much more poised than what you would expect from a guy who's never been in a playoff game. He looked like, outside of Patrick Beverly, he and I'll say D'Angelo Russell, he looked the most ready and prepared for every battle. Um, As far as improvement, I want him to Take the Tracy McGrady approach. Be able to shoot the ball, but dominate going downhill. That way, when you already got your rhythm going, you can shoot at will. Now they at your mercy. And one last thing, which was underrated part about Tracy McGrady. Be able to pass the ball a little bit better. Become a threat to make others around you better. And just um, more intentive on the defensive end. He showed that he can actually play one-on-one defense. Be a better help defender. Be a better defender when you're not the primary defender. Be a backline defender. Be able to read all passing lanes. Be able to chase a guy off a screen. Those are all excellent points, J.D., um, they're all really good points. I think we saw Edwards, you know, he's a really good on-ball defender, but I didn't like that he tried to, he sold out real hard to get that steal in game five, right? Like after hitting that clutch shot, he made a really big defensive gaffe. Yeah, I'm, I and, think that was the, the only time we could say his inexperience really showed. Right. But I think, I think, as I said, outside of Pat Bev and D'Lo, he he seemed the most ready for every moment. Yeah, absolutely. He shot he shot that gap 
which I think was a bad move. But honestly, he's not the first. Certainly wouldn't be the last, you know. I think that's mm-hmm. something that he can learn on, and I think he'll become better at it. But even when he did do that, my question is, what the hell was told to him on the sideline? Why was he guarding Ja? Is an excellent question to ask as well. You know, like I don't, I don't know what that timeout looked like coming uh, into that possession, but I think it pretty much revealed that that was just a terrible um, setup all all around defensively. Probably was, but hey, you know, this is a young group. I mean, McDaniel's really showed out. They have a lot of young talent. And I, I'm really excited for the Wolves' future. And I think we talked – Edwards is their future. And I think we did a good job talking about their next season by talking about Edwards. So, J.D., let's go ahead and move on to the second round. Let's start with the Warriors and Grizzlies. That game is currently going on. The Warriors won game one <laughs> on a three by Clay Thompson with about 40 seconds left. I'm My boy, off, Clay. I'm off by a couple, but it was a one-point game. Um, J.D., what did you see in that game – and I know your prediction, because we, we may or may not have placed a friendly wager on this. What did you see in game one that maybe solidified your thinking about how this series is going to go? Memphis, too inexperienced. Too inexperienced. They made every mistake that they made versus Minnesota. Go to state will capitalize on it. I mean, they didn't even make Golden State pay. <laughs> When we seen Jordan Poole miss a free throw, Steph Curry and Clay miss two. Clay missed two at the end of the game. Exactly. After that big three. They got three 90% free throw shooters, and they all missed the free throw, and y'all ain't make them pay. You don't get that lucky that many times. So that inexperience going to cost them. And there's absolutely no excuse for uh, Draymond got ejected in that game. By the way, JD, just real quick, was that a flagrant two or no? No. I would tend to agree as a flagrant one, definitely, but a, a flagrant two is a little excessive. Um, there's no reason the Warriors of that Draymond should out rebound you. Absolutely none. They had 16 offensive rebounds, the Warriors did. Jordan Poole had three of them. Jordan Poole's 6'4. There's no reason Gary Payton had four offensive rebounds. Gary Payton's tiny. There's no reason he should be killing you on the glass. Absolutely none. So they got to tighten that up because I have the Grizzlies in seven, but and I'm sticking to it. And right now, the Grizzlies are leading by four in the second quarter. So that's not going to matter by the time we finish recording this podcast. Hey, you know, but, my, you know what I said? Going to stay in six at the, at the latest. I, I your points are well taken, and I respect it. I just don't think Desmond, like we saw Desmond Bain, right? Oh, I love Bain. He shot terribly in game one. I don't think he's going to, let's see what he's shooting tonight. So he's all 0 of 2. So they're doing a good job of shutting him out. But Ja and Jaron have combined for 26 in this game so far. That's going on right now. So, you know, maybe getting Jaron going instead of Bain will help them. I don't know. Brooks can't be full on Brooks. <laughs> like Dylan Brooks loves to be like, you know how, the, have you heard that expression, JD? Everyone's the main character, their own story. Mm-hmm. 
Dylan Brooks thinks he's the video game main character. And where, that's why he got ejected already. <laughs> he did get ejected already. Terrible <laughs> ejection. I didn't see it, so I'm not going to say, I'm not going to comment on it. But Dylan, he thinks he's <laughs> a lot better than he is, which is good in some aspects and bad in some others. Um, so you just think the Warriors experience wins out over the Grizzlies inexperience is what you're saying? Yeah, and I think they're just a better team right now. I think there's holes in the Warriors, right? And I think the Grizzlies got punched in the face more. I think you'll see that's a common theme in my analysis of these series is I think that there are certain teams that got punched in the face more and got woken up. And I don't think the Warriors have been woken up yet. I'll be curious to see if the Grizzlies are the team that does that to them. But <laughs> I think the Grizzlies have a slight edge in that department. And that that's what makes me favor them. But I could totally see what you're saying, too, being a realistic outcome. Um, anything else you want to talk about from this series before we move on? Uh, no, let's go Clay Thompson. I mean, Clay Thompson. And Desmond Bain. I like them the most. Clay Thompson and Desmond Bain. Clay shot about as bad as you could shoot in game one, but still made it made the three when it counts. That's why you kept him on this team after all these years. So shout out to him. Um, and Bain will surely shoot better at some point. Although <laughs> it's weird because it feels like the Warriors should be the higher seeded team. It's like when this goes back to Memphis. No, they're in Memphis. <laughs> they're in Memphis. So I'll be yeah. curious to see what happens when they go back to Golden State. Um, JD, which series do you want to talk about next? Philly, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, or Dallas, Phoenix? Uh, Milwaukee, Boston. Milwaukee, Boston. So it is a 1-1 series. The Bucks won game one, 101-89. And the Celtics won tonight, 109-86. In a game that really wasn't even that close. Um, JD, I don't know how much of the game you caught tonight. I watched most of the first half. Yeah. So how have you felt about this series after two games? Um, I'm not confident in neither team. I think we seen Milwaukee come out and make everything in the first. Then we just seen Boston do the same thing. I really just want to see when they got to grind it out. Everything went both teams way the first two games. I just don't think they're going to really grind it out in Milwaukee. I think it's going to kind of, it might go the same way. Closer, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting series. Whoever shoot the three better, more likely to win in this series. It's kind of basic analysis from you, JD, but also I can't say you're wrong um, because the Celtics... Actually, I think by percentage, the Celtics did shoot better in game one. Yeah, they just ain't make more. Right. It's the You know how it is nowadays. Like, unless it's Golden State, percentage don't matter. Well, and Drew in the first game just played better than Tatum and Brown. Right. Drew was an animal. I think Drew is the key to this series. I think if he's going... Then the rest of the team, like the rest of the team, looks a lot better by comparison. But tonight he didn't have it as much, right? And that's going to happen when you're expending so much energy on the defensive end. And I think that 
as Drew goes, the Bucks goes right now, especially since Middleton. I actually think the Middleton injury happens since the last time we talked too. So Middleton is expected to miss the rest of this series. Zach Lowe said there's a chance Middleton does come back, but I wouldn't count on it in this series at the very least. I think if they make the conference finals, there's a chance they could do it, but I, I don't know. Like, how are you feeling about the Bucks in this series overall? Like, is I kind of have a weird feeling about them. I don't think they can win. I don't think they should win without Middleton. I just hope that Boston play Boston basketball and don't play like kids again. Like, be the grown man that y'all were tonight. And I mean, another guy, your guy, our guy, really, because I was a big fan of him. Bobby Portis, I feel like, needs to have a big series. If he don't, they lose. I, I would agree with that. Every every game that Portis is effective, it lightens everybody low. Yeah. And in game one, like the half that I watched, Giannis was about as bad as I've seen him be. And then in the oh. second half, he picked it up big time. But it was too little too late. It was like that one game in the conference finals that Jason Tatum had in 2020. Yeah. Where I think he was like over 10 in the first half. And then in the second half, he scored like 30 points. But by the time he scored 30 points, it was too late because the damage had already been done. So I think Giannis is going to need to have a big time series for them. Obviously, he can't shoot. Maybe he'll shoot better in Milwaukee, but these two games, he's like 20 for 52. Yeah. That's, that's not going to get it done. Especially, you know, one of the Jays is going to go off every night. Tonight, both of them did. So that's just the rest. I think Milwaukee, I'll say this, J.D. I think Milwaukee is happy to go home to a split. But I think that they feel like they should have won both games. Am I crazy for saying that? Um, You say you feel they should have won both? I think they should feel like they should have won both games. Nah. Fair. I think they I think they could see that they could have, but I don't think they should feel like they they should have. That's you know, that's fair. It's more nuanced than what I said. Um <laughs> how do you see this series going? Like what would be your prediction for this series? Like before tonight and especially after tonight. Uh, prior to the series. All because um that man wasn't playing. I had Boston and six. Hmm. But based off of game one, I think it can very much go either way in seven. I would tend to agree with that. I think I'd probably like as long as Middleton's out, I'd probably favor Boston. But I definitely see where like it's it really could go either way and i think game three could be like remember how game three of nets bucks was last year yeah i think game three could be like that where it's just a total dog fight and milwaukee won't have the horses they had last year so honestly milwaukee's kind of in the spot that brooklyn was last year when you think about it like (laughs) they're losing all their stars and they're Big star has to do everything. Let's see if he let's see if he can. This is the big Giannis test, right? So let's see if Giannis is up to the challenge. JD, which series would you like to talk about next? This the Heat series or the Sun series? Let's go Phoenix. 
Phoenix. So the Suns won game one, 121 to 114 in a game that definitely was not that close. Luca did erupt. <laughs> he had 45 points. He had that four. He had 12 rebounds, eight assists. Um, JD, I just, I can't help but get the feeling that the Mavericks are going to get exposed in this series. And I feel like, so I made this comparison to somebody at work, right? That somebody I work with that really loves the NBA the way we do. Remember how last year the Suns really exposed the Blazers by destroying the Nuggets in the second round? Mm -hmm. I think the same thing's going to happen to Utah this year because Aiton, Aiton is better at the things that Rudy isn't good at, right? Like Aiton can slide his feet on the perimeter. He can make you pay on offense. And I think that's going to expose Dallas in a way that Utah couldn't do. And I think in the process, that'll just expose Utah. Am I crazy for saying that? No. I think it makes sense. What one team can't do, the other team going to make up by being able to do it. And I think that's what poster go on in the playoffs as well, though. Find out where the other team's strengths was at before. And see if you could take it away. For sure. And in game one, it just like the Mavericks had a really big fourth quarter, right? I don't know exactly what the score was in the fourth quarter. So in the fourth quarter, it was 35, 25 Dallas's way. And that's what it felt like. It felt like they owned the fourth quarter. But, J.D., we've watched the NBA for a long enough time where we know what a fake-ass comeback is. And that was one of the fakest-ass, fake-ass comebacks I've ever seen. Like, (laughs) it just was – it was kind of telegraphed. You knew they would kind of make it a game, but the Suns were just going to pull out in the end because they had too big of a lead. Yeah. And it's like – All it took was really one shot. Right. Exactly. And – one shot to stop the bleeding for the Suns, and then the lead was back pushed double digits. And Booker looked like himself yesterday. That was huge. Like, oh man, he, he made this off the dribble three, um, floating to the um, right on the wing. Beautiful. He's gonna show that he's not too. I, in my opinion, he's not too far back from Luca. Like. Okay, maybe that's a little bit crazy uh, to say. But he's yeah. Booker's really good. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's really good. I maybe went a little too far. But as a scorer, I think Booker's better than Luca. Like in terms of creating for himself. And I think we're gonna see that through the course of the series where Luca's not gonna take those mid-ranges that the Mavericks are give that the yeah. Suns are gonna be giving him. And Booker will take any any and every mid-range you give him. Yeah, so, Luca too dependent on the three. Yeah, that's my problem with Luca, and I think he needs to grow in that area. But He's a different kind of three and D. He's a three and draft. He don't got a mid range game. Any new observations on the Suns, JD? <laughs> or is it the same old as always? Nah, they boring to watch. They kind of are, but I I love it. Like it's, they they so fundamental. It's a great thing. It, I kind of see why people used to hate watching my Spurs, but I was like, I always enjoyed them. But I hate watching Phoenix. I mean, Mikhail Bridges is just a delight to watch. I like watching him and Cam Johnson. 
Um, I like watching Chris Paul and Book, but as a team, I just hate watching them. It's it's fair, and I think you're exactly right about how people used to feel watching the Spurs. Just nothing but fundamentals for two hours, and they win by 20 just through sheer force of will and methodical. And I think watching Phoenix is my payback right now because I I just, for some reason, I don't like watching them. I, I I can't say I I can't say I blame you for that. I like watching them, but I also you know I'm a massive nerd, so now, it's beautiful basketball. Don't get me wrong, I just don't like watching Phoenix play it. I ha- I have to say, like to bring it back to the Mavericks, Kleba was really good last night, right? Oh yeah, but I don't think this is a Kleba at five series. I don't think Aiden's a guy. Aiden's gonna punish you on the other end for playing small like that. We saw it against the Clippers last year and we're seeing it against the Mavericks this year. Like eight and yesterday was dominant 12 to 20, 25 points. And it was easy 25 too. So JD, I don't think you can play. Do you think the Klebet five lineup will work at all this series? Um, It could, but I don't think it will because I think Lucas settled. Luca has to put Luca, Dinwiddie, and Jalen Brunson has to make Aiden spend more energy on defense where he he don't have as much to get it going on offensive end. I would agree with that. I think on that note, I think we've touched on everything there is to touch on in this series. What's your prediction? For the rest of the series, um, four one or four two Phoenix. I'm hoping four two though. Yeah, I mean, you hope for four two, but I think this is the. Well, I say I think this is the bad series, but I think the one four in the East is bad as well. Um, oh, no, thought, that, that's great. That's great. I mean, it's great for us, but bad for like <laughs> viewers. I think it's, I think it's a five game series. I think Phoenix takes it in five pretty easily. I think. Maybe the Mavericks take game four in Dallas, but the, the Suns are just a machine, man. <laughs> like, they're so methodical, and it's the reason why a lot of people hate them, but you got to love it. And then finally, the most depressing series, Philadelphia Sixers versus the Miami Heat. The Heat won game one, 106-92, excuse me, in a game that wasn't that close. Um JD, there's no chance the Sixers win this series. I, I didn't think there was a chance they won the series, even with them beat healthy. And maybe that's faulty logic. But with without Embiid, JD, there's absolutely no chance the Sixers team can beat the Heat. I barely gave them more than one game if Embiid played. And that's just being realistic. Now, if he was fully healthy, six. But coming in with a torn ligament in the thumb, I only give him one. But now he got that plus the facial injuries and a Malka cut. Get the brooms ready. I mean, game one, you can't have Harden and Maxi combining it. Go first of all, you can't have Harden only taking 13 shots. Bro, if Tobias Harris leads still miss scoring, they never will have a shot. Well, the the fuck, and he played great. Yeah, he played really good yesterday. You, you know I, I can't wait to give it to him, but he played great. Yeah, like he was really good yesterday, and it didn't fucking matter. And that's... 
I mean, they're going to let Danny Green shoot. Doc Rivers. Okay, one more Doc Rivers rant for you. He can't let DeAndre Jordan play again. Absolutely <laughs> cannot. Like, that was a disgrace under basketball, what was happening there. Do you, DeAndre Jordan's plus minus yesterday, minus 22 in 17 minutes. Single game plus minus is usually a faulty stat, except for the center position. And JD, we've known for years now that the Sixers are usually worse when their backup centers in the game, right? Like I, I think this has been a common thing yeah. where Embiid's just so dominant that you lose that production at that five spot. It's bad. Okay, George Niang, despite going zero for seven from three, was a plus six. Okay, Paul Reed in 13 minutes was minus three, which <laughs> compared to DeAndre Jordan is a hell of a lot better. It's just, it's so confusing why they let DeAndre Jordan, like I shame on Daryl Morey for signing him. Shame on Doc Rivers for playing him. Like I'm DeAndre Jordan. I'm just going to say it. He's the worst player in the NBA right now. I don't know why he's <laughs> playing so much. You can't, it's, it's malpractice to have DeAndre Jordan be playing this much. And I'm sorry. I, do you have any other words for Doc Rivers? Because I know I kind of hogged the bike there. But. Um, nope. Hope you get the uh, Lakers job. I mean, that's going to be his last shot because I can't think of anywhere else that's going to. I mean, maybe Sacramento. So he has nah. two more spots. Goes from the Lakers then to Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento wants to subject themselves to that. I mean, they're going to subject themselves to, to Mark Jackson. We saw how that went in Golden State. So anything is possible, J.D. Anything is possible. Um, (laughs) I think we both agree. As of right now, Heat and four. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, not a whole lot of other. Is there any, like, Heat observations you had from game one? Like, anything you wanted to talk about the Heat about? They weren't even playing a best ball. (laughs) Kyle Lowry hasn't played yet, and I doubt he's not going to play in game two either, probably. I mean, this is rough. I mean, shout out to Vic for getting playing time. He shot terribly. I love it. I love it. He shot terribly. (laughs) All you Pacers fans, take that. Hey, if they can use this as like minutes to get Oladipo back in shape, he looks good athletically. Oh, yeah. He's moving. Um, Hey. Hey, let me just say this. He been better in the Miami uniform in his first season in the playoffs with them than he did his last season in the Pacers uniform. Against the Heat? Yes, sir. All right. Well, you know, just just wonderful to end this playoff podcast with you having another dick at a team I really don't care about right now. You know, it's just... That's great, JD, for taking to. so many digs at a not playoff team. I um, hate <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Um, I think we're going to do shameless plugs, JD. What do, what do we just have come out on facts and stats? How did it is what it is. Because it's the mindset that we all be having. And I wanted to take a dive into why we had that mindset, what we had that mindset towards, you know, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
I'm 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 getting I'm getting back in that mode, man, where I'm starting to want to record almost every day again. So I'm definitely finna be cooking up. JD's gonna be in the lab, folks. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Lynn Sanity this week. Caleb had some scheduling conflicts this week. I might be an emergency fill in this week for Caleb if he has the same issues he had last week. So Lynn Sanity will definitely be coming out this week. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out um, last week's Circle City Cinema on The Batman with Zach Griffith, Bryce Shaddy, and Zach's friend Cooper Ogle. It's a blast. Make sure you check that out. Um, JD, I feel like we packed a lot in uh, good stuff in this one. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, brother. And I want to thank the folks at home for listening.